0: Hey, gang. Welcome back. It's Bill Gates here. You know, from Microsoft. I'm here to tell you about my five favorite book reads of the year. Because it's Christmas time. It's just nice to sit down by one of your many fireplaces in your palatial estate and crack open a book. Well, I got a, a, a list of five great books here. that are both informational and fun to read. My first book is by author Sarah Gay, it's called Her Guardian Boss, Fake Fiance, part of the Christmas romance series. In it, Samantha Whitecliff has no family to celebrate the holidays with, so moving across the country during the Christmas holidays to start a new job is a welcome start to the next chapter in her life, a chapter where she finally plans to live life like there's no tomorrow. She realizes how true that phrase is when a car accident with her attractive new boss shows her the true meaning of Christmas. And if she's lucky, true love. I give this read two thumbs up, guys! My next big book that I enjoyed reading this year that I think all you should too, is from the World Population Review. It's called Age of Consent by State, 2019. It's a state-by-state review of -of age-of-consent laws in the United States. I gotta say, I was turned on to this by my favorite uh, local reporter, Katie Herzog, who, uh, you know, I think is really doing some brave work and explaining to people the difference between pedophilia and ephebophilia. So, you know, look out for her book coming out on this uh, uh, pretty soon called Epstein Didn't Do It, all right? it's I think it's going to be pretty good. So my next book on the list is a real thinker. It's, a, it's, a, it's about something close to my heart. It's from Thomas Bainter. It's called... The shit book, colon, the poop book. Let's go, let's get down to the description here. It says, this book is about shit. Not the shit you have in your closet, or those lying around the house, or the shit in your car. But it's about shit. The stuff that comes out of your body when you have to go to the bathroom. Not the stuff that comes out your front side, but the stuff that comes out your butt. (laughs) It doesn't matter how poor you are how rich you are, how ugly you are, or how beautiful you are. We all gotta shit. Isn't that true? And that really gets to the, the heart of what we do at the Gates Foundation, just helping people shit every day. Here's another fun one, uh, maybe for the kids. It's from Jerry D. Young. It's called Home Sweet Bunker. One disaster after another challenges a group headed by two brothers. Lots of ingenuity is needed to save and protect their small town, it's a heartwarming romance with informative tips that are included on running your own bunker. I gotta say, after building my first bunker in New Zealand, uh, I gotta hand it to Peter Thiel. He's right. It does feel good. Finally, I gotta go conclude with my favorite book of the year. And this one's just a fun sit-down-by-the-fire read. It's from Ivy Smoke, and it's called Temptation. It's book one of the Hunted series. Shy student Penny Taylor always follows the rules. At least that's how it appears to her classmates. But she has one illicit secret. She's fallen hard for her professor. And she's pretty sure he's fallen for her, too. Everyone loves Professor Hunter. He's tall, dark, and handsome. And completely unobtainable. But it's the secrets hiding behind his deep brown eyes that allures Penny. Secrets darker than she could ever imagine. James Hunter gave up his billionaire lifestyle in Seattle last year to become a professor of computer sciences. I just added that in, guys. The easiest new rule to follow, don't fraternize with the students. It's easy to follow because he's become quite the recluse in his new town. The only way he knows how to keep his secrets buried. But he never expected to be teaching such a beautiful student. He has to resist her. He needs to walk away. Penny deserves better than a man with his demons. But she's daring him to cross the line, and he's never been one to resist temptation. All right, gang, so those were my five favorite reads of the year. I think there's a little something in there for everybody, so make sure you curl down by the fire on one of your mini bearskin and elk skin, human skin rugs in one of your many giant rooms with a fireplace in your estate and crack open a nice book because reading is learning. All right, guys. Thanks. Oh, wow. Um, have you ever even heard Bill Gates be right? Yeah, but keep a fucking voice yeah. actor. What
1: am, I, what am I supposed to do with that?
0: <laughs> Nobody knows what he sounds like. Just your his voice sound. It's fine.
1: <laughs> when i criticize them welcome back to another seattle sucks a podcast about hating the city you lo- you love we love <laughs> not us <anymore>.
0: um <laughs> it's me we, we've seen a vision of seattle and uh we don't care about this seattle yeah, that's right. we want to go back yeah. our Can hearts I switch are pining timelines lol <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: if you don't know what we're talking about you are not among that number who made it to the beacon um To see Class of 1999. You mean that sold-out show at the Beacon Theater? That is the one I was referring to. That's right. (laughs) Uh,
2: Those who are there, uh, you are forever the elect. Yeah. Uh,
1: In our (laughs) apocalyptic vision. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, In
2: in our um, doomsday cult, uh, which is really what uh, listening to Seattle Sucks is all about. You've all felt it. It's all been heading toward... Uh, ritual mass suicide. Uh, mm-hmm. No, they're part of at the at Collins' direction.
0: the part of the elect that will board the Naiad as we journey <laughs> yeah. to the center of the Earth to uh, a new heaven. Yeah, um, the center
2: of the Earth, which mm-hmm. is down below the, the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Cool. <laughs> So,
2: uh picture yourself on deck, Colin delivering a sermon, me drink, uh, drilling a hole in the <laughs> hull from from inside. All of the us villages. getting the
0: chains out and just chaining ourselves to, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, piece of equipment we can find. Yeah. Um,
2: mm. cool. Yeah, thanks for coming out everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very enthusiastic. It was awesome to see everyone. Um very cool. We we're really hoping we can do it again, but we appreciate you being there. Uh, it was it was a fun time. Yeah, I yeah.
2: know. It was a good old time. We love the beacon. Uh, and um, no thanks to uh, the people I invited tonight to come here and be on the show and drink my eggnog, who did not show. Um, there are some no-shows tonight. Um, I am forced <laughs> so- to... What was the
0: order, Greg? Was it you invited them, they accepted, then you mentioned the eggnog, then they did not accept
2: it? Is that the order that this process went? Uh, uh, Listen, all I know is I'm very put out. I am nonetheless determined that all the eggnog should be enjoyed. I am already on, I think I'm five glasses in, Honestly i'm drunk i'm sleepy and i i feel sick (laughs) i feel ill right now um i might have hit it a little too hard too fast um yeah but uh yeah it's happy holidays anyway um we've got a great interview coming up um but after that stay tuned for greg's very special r- real eggnog recipe if you thinking to your if you're thinking to yourself greg i wouldn't have come and drink your eggnog because eggnog's gross that is only because you've never had r- my eggnog the real eggnog so you're doing it wrong uh stay tuned but we've got some more content coming up right
1: yes we do um i just had a quick question though brian do you know if uh maybe i could find rich poop poor poop at the library <laughs> that <laughs> was that was that Bill Gates item, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, look, uh, the public library is a great resource for finding these books, but little do people know the Gates Foundation has its own library of scatological material. That's wonderful. So you have to, instead of having like uh, the card system as a series of tubes that you smell, it points you to the right book that you're looking for. Mm,
1: Just follow your nose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I better go when I'm a little Uh bit uh, healthier. Well,
0: that sounded like some really great books. I'm looking forward to getting to read a lot of them.
1: Yeah, I that last one I can really understand why Bill would, would gravitate towards it. <laughs> Sound like a lot of fun. Okay, g- Greg is gonna Egg. go into an eggnog coma. <laughs> yeah, Greg's having so problems. I, I, just, I can't I be very,
2: careful with
0: your eggnogs, kids.
2: I was very emotional that <laughs>
0: Greg I had made the world. eggnog,
2: I was very excited to share it, and I drank I drank too much of it.
1: No, the feds were coming, and you just swilled it all down.
0: Uh. Oh, my God. Maybe we should just cut to that. By the way, we have a great interview with somebody who writes, um, does amazing artwork about Jeff Bezos.
1: Yes, we do. Uh, So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I want to just. So, this is
2: someone who. Now he's back of life. (laughs) Hey, listen. uh, This is so. This is uh, our friend at rabio heb summer emerald great twitter presence we love just very on the seattle sucks wavelength doing incredible jeff bezos related art and importantly um if you're listening to this episode you can now go to mechanical website and view summer's uh, newest uh video piece um that is Extremely engrossing and accompanying that, um, an essay on some of the same subjects which we're about to talk with her. I just to introduce you, this is something um that came across my Twitter feed from summer the other day that I retweeted. Smiling serenely, imagining a spaceship crewed by humanity's finest, sent to another galaxy to start anew, getting off the ship after three thousand years as inbred untracked lunatics yeah. barely capable yeah. of language it was beautiful and i'm like mm-hmm. if that is not like seattle sucks mindset like i don't know what the fuck is
1: so yeah listen into this interview because she rules uh well we have a very special guest on the line all the way from montreal we are joined by summer emerald art student at concordia university and a big jeff bezos fan oh yeah in in the (laughs) same way that we are so (laughs) welcome so much to the show
3: hi thank you so much for having me
1: yeah thank you so much for coming on we have been following your
2: um steady output of jeff related work for the last year i think or some portion of that uh and we, we love it. We
1: are here for it. We can't get enough.
3: Oh, thanks so much. I'm glad that uh, some, some people out there enjoy just like watching me get more and more sickly and demented with my Bezos brain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, uh, people apparently enjoy listening to us do exactly the same thing <laughs> yeah. every week. You're, you're in good company. Yeah, lots um, of basement yeah.
3: freaks out there. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah, yeah. Well, we keep the freaks in the basement, but yeah. uh, uh, they're the ones turning out the code that runs our website. So, um, yeah. Uh, if I mean for our listeners, we act, we you know we like we retweet uh, at Rabio Heeb quite a bit, and that's uh, Summer's uh, uh, output location for. Uh, Uh, some weird Jeff-related videos and uh, awesome, you know, uh, digital renderings of crazy jeff paintings um yeah. I, th- I think that's probably the first the 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 classic uh insane jeff in the flames of hell or whatever however you <laughs> yeah. i would love to hear how you would describe is that the first jeff portrait or is that the first one that um, you put online
3: that was like the the one where he it's like okay i know what one you're talking about i think it's where his head is in the sky it's just his head floating is that what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah that, that was i think my fourth painting of jeff bezos like last winter i started making art about him like i just like made a bunch of like these really big paintings that were just portraits of him and like i would describe that like i've changed the title a bunch of times as i like, keep adding to it like i a couple months ago put a bunch of blood on it stuff, <laughs> and now it's just yeah, yeah the blood <laughs>
2: the addition of the bloody handprints um <laughs> yeah it makes it
3: oh thanks but uh, i i saw it when i was painting it as it's like a drone in the sky a giant drone shaped like jeff bezos's head and there's little flames reflected in his eyes he just breathes fire down on his workers or like trying to go to the bathroom or something
2: (laughs) wow okay that completely changes this for me because i just imagined it as a sort of abstracted god image but now i'm it's like a more literal floating god image like fucking zardoz or something
3: <laughs> yeah thrown drone god bezos
2: it's zardoz bezos um that's amazing okay i love it and i love the bloody handprints too <laughs> i mean one thing i want to ask you about like um is uh like how do you, i mean i'm guessing you've seen actually you probably tweeted about it the um the new national portrait gallery robert mccurdy painting oh of
1: yes
3: oh my god that photo of him where he's standing in front of it looking at it is just it's just terrific.
1: <laughs> it's like
3: look it's me oh god
2: <laughs> yeah it's amazing i mean how it uh obviously like it's so weird because i think when you look at like yeah, this this like drone god image of Jeff that you painted. I'm looking at it now. Um, you're like, God, he has a fucking weird hellish look on his face. But it's like okay, this is this like uh, really vibrantly covered, colored, heavily abstracted rendering of Jeff. And then you look at this like preposterously photorealistic <laughs> um, painting, and you're like, Yeah, he still has the same fucking maniacal, insane oh, yeah. like like dead-eyed look in his, his eyes
3: oh yeah i think he always i mean like i've looked at a lot of photos of him over the course of that year um and i think that's just sort of like naturally how he looks most of the time
2: yeah yeah like that's just him yeah um i mean what do you have any other thoughts on that that um that painting like how that how how do you feel like maybe this is a uh you know a question that doesn't need an answer, but like I mean, how do you feel when you saw that, like, how do you think your your work on Jeff relates to uh Robert McCurdy's? Like what is the dialogue there between these two very different sort of approaches?
3: Something I hadn't really thought of. Um well I guess like that's like obviously a portrait that I mean, I don't I guess the Natural National Portrait Gallery must have commissioned it, but that's like obviously um like a pause supposed to be at least a positive image of Jeff, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of, like, uh, glorifying him as this, like, amazing businessman or whatever, whereas mine is, like, the uh, not-a-positive image of Jeff. But in the, in the <laughs> yeah. end, they kind of look the same, which is, like, funny. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: that's what's so great about yeah, it. Which... Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a... It definitely... Obvi- yeah, it is made, obviously, to venerate him, but it is in this very like it's meant to be in this very relatable way it's meant to be like extremely relatable content i feel because he's just he's got his jacket off he's doing the slouch he's not like he's not like a heroic pose until unless you know the context that he is actually a god and then you're like oh i mean i guess just him shrugging there is fucking heroic
3: yeah, like it's it's really funny. Like any of his attempts to be relatable just come off like they just come off like that. They're just so thinly veiled. <laughs> like they're so bad.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> like do you follow uh, Jay Bay's Instagram? Uh, his
3: Instagram? No, I because... don't follow his Instagram. Although I do look at it from time to time, you know, for like inspiration. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, there's some great relatable content oh, yeah. on there. Like our favorite one is that this is like a year and a half ago now, but we must have talked about it for like an hour on the show when he's he's like leaned up on his couch, uh, with like leaning on like a giant oh, bear, yeah. stuffed yeah. bear yeah, or he's
1: something. A, he's he's got the feels. He's feels guy. Yeah, he was he was uh, had real feels I guy think, energy. But uh, to, your, to my your point,
3: favorite, sorry, I was just saying so my on. favorite post on Jeff Bezos's Instagram is there's one where he has like really bad Cheetos fingers, like he's like oh god yeah. oh. That, uh, but that's, that's that's all
1: that was yeah. all i had to add oh yeah
2: that that one's great anytime he's hanging out with russell wilson yeah. is great uh colin what are you gonna oh say? i was
1: just gonna say to your point summer about him kind of performing as a human being i would recommend if you haven't seen these yet there's at least one Supercut of Jeff laughing in interviews, and it is truly. I haven't chilling. seen that
3: supercut, but I know what you're like talking about the way he laughs. Since I had to watch a lot of hours yeah. of footage of him talking for like that Blue Origin sure. paper that I just uh that you guys are publishing. Um, yeah, it's like really forced and fake. <laughs> it's real, it's like you know, he like he definitely has some sort of like public speaking coach or something, but you know, he practices it a lot. You can just tell.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So we are, so you have just your, your newest, uh, addition to your, uh, Bezos project is a, uh, video called the Holy temple of blue origin. Um, and an accompanying um essay which is you can now find on uh mechanical freaked out website and of course we'll be tweeting about that as well it'll be out there we'll link to it in the episode uh the video is um in it i think you well it tell us about you know what the tell us about the concept i guess uh in your own words i mean and like what the inspiration is and the connections you're making there about blue origin and the um the sort of uh, space dreams um, of jeff bezos uh,
3: so, okay i'm not sure i think i'll just start with like i have been thinking i think everyone's starting to think this way more uh but i've been thinking a lot lately about things in terms of like the apocalyptic and like kind of seeing things through like an apocalyptic lens a lot. I was like taking a class about that. So I was just like kind of already thinking about things through like an apocalyptic religious lens. And I was kind of thinking also more generally about like just like how so many Silicon Valley tech bro things are like tech companies. And like the people who look up to the CEOs of these companies like Jeff or Elon Musk or whatever. It's kind of like this weird like semi-religious but like not really religious kind of thing or like even how like Jack Dorsey imposes this uh sort of like monk-esque lifestyle on himself. There's all this weird religious stuff going on with those people. And like I was like I yeah. all like uh no, I don't know how to phrase this in a way that doesn't make me sound insane, but I spent a lot of time reading about Heaven's Gate. <laughs> um like the Heaven's Gate cult. I Hell think yeah. they're really fascinating and like I I'm really fascinated by, like, the sci-fi sort of take on Christianity that they have. And I, like, was, like, I started to notice that, like, there's, like, a lot of parallels in the way that, like, Jeff speaks about, uh, like, O'Neill colonies and the future of Blue Origin and, like, Heaven's Gate. And just, like, the idea that, like, the Earth is finite, as Jeff says, and we're going to have to escape it at some point uh to like evolve to the next level which like isn't something that Jeff, Jeff explicitly says when, when talking about their plans for the future but like he kind of implies it by saying like we're gonna have a trillion humans we will be a thousand mozarts and a thousand einsteins
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so this is something we've talked a lot about on the show when every time he's done these talks where he spouts off about his like plans for the next 1000 years of humanity or whatever it is building the road to space but maybe we'll sum up just a bit here um if you haven't caught it jeff is uh has a mission a a, a <laughs> calling from god or whatever to to populate the solar system with uh a <laughs> trillion human beings living in artificial uh space habitats um, and what and he sees the work he's doing at Blue Origin right now is building the road to that the road to space as he calls it, and yeah, I think you you quote him in the essay. Um, well, I think in the video too, um, talking about um, let's see. Oh, I think like one one particularly chilling thing is to understand that he's been on this this yes. trip for a long time. He's quoted in like his hometown paper. Uh, when he was like valedictorian at his high school, saying the earth is finite, and if the world economy and population is to keep expanding, my 18 year old is the, the only way to
3: like, talks like that, it's so insane. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think,
2: I think, I think they're probably, you know, there's probably a lot of 18 year olds out there <laughs> saying things like that and other wild things, it's just thing about jeff bezos (laughs) is like how far he has gotten in life like he has made well he's i think he's ultimately actually a boring sort of unimaginative adult and he's had this enormous by you know he's just basically a wall street guy who has um who has created an engine of monopolization And now that he's rich and he has to go like, what the fuck am I going to spend this money on? All he's, all he's got is these dumb fucking sci-fi ideas from when he was a teenager that he thought were really profound then. And he's like, I'm God now. That's a great way of putting it. I
3: I read the book um, that uh, his like O'Neill colony idea is based off of. uh, It's called the high frontier. And it's just like, it's written in just like a total sci-fi fantasy way. Like it's it's like super 70s yeah. in like its feeling.
2: Yeah, well like it's all, you know, science fiction uh to bring it back around has long been sort of wrapped up in uh yeah. in uh cults, right? Um and that that's sort of the lens you're looking at through at this to take it back to Heaven's Gate like you quote like you have in the video um the classic uh Marshall Applewhite um uh, dead-eyed uh, recitation of uh his plea to join heaven's Gate <laughs> saying uh, earth about to be recycled um <laughs> like t- t- uh, t- yeah talk to us more about what you see as like Jeff's vision for this this and this imperative that we get into space
3: Um I'd say it it relates to apocalyptic cult thinking in that, like, um, in Jeff's mind, like, from the way he speaks about it, he thinks that, like, it is an absolute fact that, like, we have, like, the Earth is finite and we have to keep expanding. It's, like, almost like it's, like, a capitalist take on that, like, sci-fi apocalyptic type of cult because, like... The way he talks about it in like the, uh, at the event, uh, going to earth to benefit space, he goes off on like a two minute sort of spiel about how the earth will run out of energy. If we keep expanding at this rate. And it's just like, it doesn't cross those people's minds. Like the type of like businessmen, tech people that like, well, we don't necessarily have to keep expanding. (laughs) Like we could just relax. (laughs) Well, that's,
2: I mean, that is that is the failing of our sort of um, overall hegemonic liberal worldview, right? Is this total lack of imagination that can't see an economy working any different, that is wedded to this constant growth model um, that just can't see any other way. And the joke here is that Jeff it, thinks of himself and is thought of by a lot of people as this like visionary and it's like he actually had there's there's actually no like imagination there at all there's there's no ability to s- just see outside of the exact structures that exist now
3: oh absolutely it's like the same for all of those like types of like billionaire visionaries really
2: jeff has really taken um the sort of cult almost metaphor we use for silicon valley and really taking it to a next level maybe become a messiah because he's able to actually drive like uh thinking about these big issues like you you point out and you say in the essay that he's able to uh, because of his position as like ruler of the economy and and extremely rich man he's able to legitimize and be taken seriously when he talks about what is this batshit sci-fi
3: nonsense yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, like, the timing of this also le- legitimizes it, too, because, like, climate change has been on everyone's minds more and more recently. And, like, I think that, like, kind of is the reason why apocalyptic thinking kind of permeates our culture right now. And, like, Blue Origin only started being, like, doing pop, like, press and stuff and like around 2015, and then he just, like, announced, those plans in like i think like may so like the time like i think timing plays into like it being legitimized as well as his power
2: yeah yeah um and that you know all the more frustrating that we do have this real apocalypse like on our doorstep and you know as you're saying jeff is committed to this so fucking committed to this <laughs> constant uh unstoppable growth model that the only thing he can see is expanding out into the entire solar system so like i nowhere in his plan uh for humanity does it seem to be uh we should be like you know drastically cutting back on our carbon emissions immediately or something he's like no nah, yeah. we're, we're just gonna get, go leave and go into space
3: oh yeah no way we can't do that he also even like says at the going to space to benefit earth event um that like stuff like homelessness and world hunger are short-term problems and he's like we need to work on those but we also need to work on this <laughs> like he's like in saying that so like, you can tell he just is like yeah well those things aren't my problem you know well that's
2: yeah i mean again this goes to like the very sort of limited unimaginative and ultimately very dumb thinking <laughs> of jeff bezos is like he he can only really conceptualize these things in this like simple sci-fi way that is like in the future when we when we're in the future and we have all this technology all these problems will just solve themselves yeah you know like well when we have a trillion people living in space habitats everything's going to be great there's we, we won't have to worry about hunger or homelessness because it'll be the future <laughs> and we will have fixed all that without any actual um, thinking about the economy or about power.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's awesome that all the people with all the money and the power think this way. I think <laughs> it's really good for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's something else that you uh, talk about at length in your piece is you you invoke Elysium and basically like class war made real.
3: Yeah, it's like, uh, well, I think, like, in the idea of, like, building a space colony, like, there is, like, there is, there has to be class war in that. Like, you can't, like, you can't have a space colony without it, because it's so obviously going to be, like, the richest people who have access to it.
2: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, maybe describe a little more about, like, how you see, because I think Jeff is so sort of vague and... uh, just sort of inspirational about this stuff but like tell us more about how you see the way you describe it in the essay like um how you see his uh future space world actually playing out in terms of the practical realities and the class war aspect
3: i well i i think like In, it's the same way that he thinks about, like, uh, how homelessness and stuff like that will solve itself, because it'll be the future and everything will be fine. Like, there just, like, also won't be any poor people anymore, somehow. Like, (laughs) that's kind of, I think it's, like, the same sort of dumb, like, not thought out way of thinking, like, like, just not considering the fact that in order for there to be a space colony where people are living happily and healthy and whatever and these fun habitats there also has to be like just a bunch of people who didn't get into them like just just rotting on the the completely like dead hell earth (laughs) like
2: yeah well because if if we don't slow down this growth right and we don't avert climate catastrophe we're going to have the earth is going to be a wasteland and if there are space colonies to get away, they're better than earth. That's yeah. Rich people are going to be there. Is that sort of your take on it? And
3: also just, uh, yeah, the rich people are going to be there. And like, it really will just be like the film. I think that'll just really be like the full Elysium, And it's so funny to me that like, like the most like caricature of like an evil, like billionaire is like going with the most like stupidly, I don't, stupid and like easy to criticize idea for like how to solve humanity's long term problem of the earth running out of energy. Yeah, he
2: is a Bond yeah. villain yeah. essentially. Yeah. It is the plot of Moonranker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, have you seen Moonranker? I actually Ranker? haven't seen that. The Roger Moore Bond. Okay, you should check that out because this is the plot oh, of nice. Moonranker. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I think it's so. Oh God, it's so fucked up. I think. That is that does sound to me like the most likely reality if we start somehow we're building shit in space in a 200 years or something, and Earth and we did not avert climate change. I think your the picture you paint in this essay is really compelling and I, I, I see it coming true of yeah, of uh the wealthiest people fleeing off to somewhere better. Um But I think also I almost have maybe kind of a different darker take that I don't think is a thing that I almost may even imagine happening. But I, I think like I try to take like Jeff Mm -hmm. and his word when I think about it. And then, and I guess there's just so much, there's so many ways to go into it, but like I hear Jeff saying, okay, we're going to have a trillion people living Mm -hmm. in space. And I think to myself, but then he says, but the earth is going to be this jewel, you know, it's the jewel. It's the the best place. He actually says it's heaven like, over oh, and over again. It's heaven. It's the <laughs> best place. There will never be a better place than earth. And then he's like, he talks about earth being zoned. I mean, this is his imagination. He's, he's just talking about zoning policy, zoning for <laughs> um, <laughs> light industry, residential and parks and stuff and i don't think this is an achievable vision i think like again if we listen to jeff bezos we will just like basically nuke the earth but i mean i see even in his own mind this is how limited he is because even if you if you take a look at the world he's describing and he sees as some kind of space utopia but he hasn't made the basic connections that if a trillion people are living in space that means a that trillion people for the almost every single one of them is being born living and dying in space where apparently the heavy (laughs) industry is and where the and yet and that that trillion people at any given time for the rest of humanity's history will never set foot on the species home planet of earth the jewel the heaven that um that we you know, we'll save because we sent away the billion people or the trillion people who are working in space, wow, living yeah. and dying in space to presumably like, so I think even if like you, even if you take him at his word and it's like, this is achievable, which I think, you know, you smartly sort of in your <laughs> analysis, don't do that and say, this is like a dumb thing that can't happen. And we're just, you know, but and we're more likely to end up with this Elysium model even if you take it at his word you're talking about a trillion slaves living in space stations in space in like uh for to serve like uh yeah. to mine the fucking asteroids and never see the jewel planet of earth where there's just rich people and some and yeah software I, like, kind developers of, I like guess. I
3: kind of thought about that because I was like thinking about making a video where it's like an advertisement for getting to like come and build one of the O'Neill colonies, but I just never ended up making it because, like I just think with like, yeah. that idea of like the earth being the jewel that Jeff has like completely ignores climate change like as if it's just not going to happen like oh the earth is going to be sure. fine and beautiful in 300 years when these are built like that's just that's just completely divorced from reality but like but I do think so eventually absolutely. if the colony did grow to the size that he wants it to there absolutely would be a class system where like the majority of this trillion people would be such, yeah slaves mining asteroids
2: right well it he has obviously you know nowhere in his vision of the future is uh, anything but a capitalist growth model so it's like obviously like he doesn't mention anything about you know these trillion people uh owning this heavy industry and uh you know having power in and owning their o'neill colonies and even if they did, yeah. they, ain't, they ain't commuting back and forth to earth a trillion people like I mean you, a trillion people can't even take a fucking vacation on Earth you know so I think that's that's the thing is any way you look at it he's a fuck he's just a fucking loon like he either it's like he's completely ignoring um, the catastrophe that is uh, capitalist growth and that what it's doing to our planet. But even if you take it him at his word, it's he just wants yeah. to have a trillion yeah. slaves in space. <laughs> like,
3: yeah, it's like yeah. And also He's like, kind of segueing into like another thing I was talking to about in the paper. Like, you like you said, like the people in these colonies wouldn't own them. Like, uh, I'm assuming Blue Origin or like whatever company evolved out of Blue Origin would own all of the colonies since they built them, and like that's just like makes me kind of think of, like, how Jeff Bezos imagines that the people in this future civilization would think of him, like, because he's the one who started Blue Origin and, like, had this idea. Like, it's so obvious that, like, he wants to be thought of, like, as God in this civilization.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, Yeah, you do talk about this a lot, this fact that this is obviously, like, a long-term plan that's gonna, if, you know, if his vision were to come about would obviously come about and grow well past his lifetime but yeah well i mean how get inside his head tell us how you think he he thinks about that
3: oh yeah i just absolutely think that they'll like see him as god like clearly he isn't really thinking about like impending ecological collapse but like i almost feel like in his vision it would be like oh he's the one who saved us from like dying on earth because he thinks like earth is finite like eventually the human race will like die because we can't expand anymore so like he like he will be thought of as like this like savior like it's so narcissistic like even just like having these plans i think because it's so obvious that like they would know like like the people living in the civilization would know who built it and like would probably end up worshiping him somehow
2: you think yeah you think that would uh care i mean it's all if you i guess if you plan it that way i mean if uh every uh colony <laughs> yeah, is like stamped with your Jeff face and name, like, you like know? floating around yeah. on
3: like a loop constantly in the sky
2: <laughs> yeah yeah they i mean um that's that, that can be in this world that you create yeah, from scratch I mean, it'd be
3: like that the painting i made comes to life there's just a big like realistic jeff head staring down at you all day
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, i still i still want to believe that there will be floating jeff heads like <laughs> like big uh god cars like going around to collect <laughs> um to collect the harvest
3: well like if he's narcissistic enough to come up with all of this i don't think that's even that much of a stretch you know
2: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it is wild to think about like the the ownership issue too to get back to that like um We've managed in our system to convince everybody on Earth somehow that every patch of fucking dirt on this planet is can be owned by some rich person and you have to pay them to stand there. I mean, which is an insane idea that no one should buy into, but try try convincing anyone of anything else if the patch of dirt you're standing on was literally built by a corporation, <laughs> not a planet created by forces out of human control uh eons before uh, uh yeah. any intelligent before, life walked upon it but oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah but like that I, would
3: totally just like um destroy any thinking that there could be any other way of living i guess just because like yeah you're so dependent on the corporation that built the the colony
2: yeah uh do you have? Do you have um, any other thoughts? Anything you want? I guess I didn't really talk about
3: like. Uh, I guess I should just like explain quickly, like kind of like uh, the concept going on in the video. Like I was kind of thinking of it being not that far into the future, maybe like fifty to hundred years, when the colonies are in the process of being built, and like everyone on Earth dying because there's no food and there's no plant life, etc. And like I was like in the little like thirty to sixty second like maquette. I made that like the video is composed of. It's just like different scenarios of um, a, a cult sort of naturally forming that like believes that believes that they're like destined to live in the blue origin yeah. colonies, even though they don't have the money to like or like believes that there's uh, like a different way to get into the blue origin colonies. And like uh, and the last video, I didn't like explicitly show it, but I implied that I'm like committing <laughs> suicide to get my soul up there just to like bring that back to the, the heaven's gate sort of connection. Yeah.
2: You, you are, you seem to be maybe yeah. several generations of, or iterations of supplicants to Jeff, uh, to praying, uh, and worshiping to find yourself in, uh, space Jeff heaven. <laughs> yeah. Um, check it out, everybody. Uh, it's very cool and very weird. Um, and we will, uh, there'll be links maybe it'll actually be on the well it'll obviously be on the with the article on mechanical freak it'll probably there'll be links to all this um on the the episode um and we'll post it on twitter um uh again follow summer uh RabioHeb. um again we'll link to that as well and check out uh, her Instagram.
3: Check out... Um, I always say I'm going to stop doing Jeff work, and then I just come back. I just can never get away from him. But yeah, I have been making, like, non-Jeff-related <laughs> video work for the past couple months as well. It like, kind of all... It's all, like, kind of related to, like, the apocalyptic and, like, climate change and stuff. And then... Jeff is like his own little
2: niche in that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I've seen all. I watch all that stuff too. And and, and to me, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, Jeff he, sort really of just, everything. Uh, is implied in the back of my mind in all of that. So as <laughs> just daily in my life. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, um, final question, Summer. If you were selected, if you were among the elect, who. If it was offered to you a spot <laughs> on the moon colony rocket to stay. Oh, I
3: don't know. To Go to the moon um,
2: and stay. You know, I would uh, take would the seat you take if that I seat? could have
3: like if I had like the angle of like I'm going to go there to mess it up somehow, you know. Um
2: Yeah, to do a bunch of uh savage crazy um messianic uh weird stared jeff art that in a thousand years will yeah, be yeah I, I would
3: just go there to accelerate it to just like make everyone living there worship jeff even earlier just to really amp, amp it up a bit
2: <laughs> i mean i can see that happening i mean if this cult of jeff forms uh, some of your paintings of jeff could be like misconstrued reproduced like the jeff head <laughs> you've created the floating jeff head could be like the the crucifix of the Jeff. I really
3: hope that happens.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Um, So awesome. uh, Talking to you, summer. Uh, Keep up the great, uh, disturbing, uh, thought provoking work and um thank you so much for yeah absolutely on.
3: thank you so much again for having me yeah yeah no it has it's been good i love any uh any jeff related conversation yeah, that i can force anyone into having with me is enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah We're here all right for it. thank you
1: The three hosts of your favorite podcast, the one you're listening to right this moment, find themselves rocking back and forth in the swells of a blustery winter evening on the frigid waters of Lake Washington, huddled around the diesel flame contained in the tiny hearth of the HMS Naiad, imbibing a thick, white, <laughs> life-giving <laughs> substance. Hey, Greg, this
2: eggnog is really good. Yeah, thanks, Brian. The great thing about <laughs> oh my
0: God.
2: the great thing about old timey egg and cream based alcoholic beverages like this is all the fat and protein um help you like keep drinking without getting too um shit faced or intestinally distressed mm. Even so, you should probably not, like, drink five large uh, glasses of it within like a twenty minute period out of a sort of uh, emotional frustration.
1: Who on earth (laughs) would do such a thing as that, Greg?
2: Uh, Yeah, I don't feel so great. But anyway, (laughs) I hope you like it.
1: It's yeah, it's delicious. I was wondering, could you maybe, you know, tell us how you made it? Well. If you're thinking to
2: yourself, I don't like eggnog, nobody likes eggnog, I'm here to tell you, you're doing it wrong, stupid. You see, most people uh, don't know how to make eggnog, and they do it wrong. They do it very wrong. Start with the biggest mistake, uh, the, the booze that you put in it. Putting bourbon with milk and eggs is absolutely disgusting. Um, rum, also a bad idea. Vodka is for like the lazy and unimaginative and is absolutely vile. Um, This is why nobody thinks eggnog is good. Uh, So the first thing you need to do, I'm going to, this is for a bat, like a full batch for like a party for like a punch bowl. So the first step is go to a thrift store. Three people. <laughs> two. It's two. only two. It's two. I, I made a half I, I made batch, I, batch, I, batch I, because I, I, sensibly, I made a sensibly made a half made a batch because, batch. because, because I thought only a, a few people, people coming over have a nice little holiday, holiday podcast holiday, gathering, gathering. And instead, I find myself drinking the whole thing by myself. Okay, so first, go if you're having a party for Christmas, go to a thrift store and buy a large, a glass punch bowl and matching glasses. If you don't find a matching. They'll be around, you know, or get little glass rocks glasses. If you really can't handle that, as is the case with any cocktail, <laughs> if you're having a party and you don't have the glassware for it, um, go to the store and get the little crystal plastic cups, you know, the clear ones, because you can't put like, like any cocktail, you can't put this in like a mug or something. You have to be able to see it. That's part of the presentation. Okay. That's the first thing. Chill the punch bowl. Put it in the fridge or put it outside in the cold. Because this is... You want to keep this dish cold, but you're not going to, like, put it in a bucket of ice or something. It's not going to work because this in a punch bowl. Okay. So. <clears throat> fresh eggs. Fresh. Get the get some nice ones, you know, with some color to them. The the organic, you know, pasture-raised, whatever. Because you're going to be just drinking them raw. So. And generally, that's very safe in America. The only, like, one in, I don't know, a couple of thousand... Eggs will have, will little, like, have a little, bacterium like, bacterium or two of, of bacterium salmonella, salmonella, salmonella which, which is fine. That'll just fine. give you that'll a little you gas, a or, gas something. or something. It's when you leave them, when out, them out unrefrigerated un- that those can un- multiply, un- unless, un- multiply. Unless, un- unless you have a problem. So, you know, refrigerate, so refrigerate them right, get them fresh, refrigerate them right away. And then the booze will probably kill anything else, too. So, fresh eggs. We're going to use a full dozen eggs and then 1 quart of heavy whipping cream and 1 quart of whole milk. If you're doing the math and thinking in that half and half, uh yeah, you're right. In most formulations though, that if you just use half and half, most half and halves are going to come out a little lower fat content than half whole milk and half heavy whipping cream, but it, uh, of course it depends on the, the brands are all different like what they use, but if you want to get lazy, you could you go with a uh, half and half. A cup and a half of sugar, super fine sugar. I mean if you mean if you use simple syrup <laughs> you put as well. well. Super fine well. sugar uh, sugared smaller sugar, smaller smaller smaller. Uh you know, if you really uh, just use just really what you have is a, a pound of pound, there, of pound of, C and H granulated sugar, but just mix de- it extra it mix de- through it make it make and make it a make it a solid like hour ahead of hour ahead of hour S time S time fully dissolved. Um okay. So you're gonna separate your whites and your yolks, and you're gonna mix the yolks up Beat them up with the sugar and the cream and milk and all that, and then oh, also essentially making a custard base. This is a drinkable custard, is what we're doing here. So oh, while you're at the store too, you got to get fresh whole nutmeg. 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 So you go to the bulk so to spices, the spices section, section, section and you find the whole, nut, the whole nutmeg, like little it's brown berries, little nuts. Except there's not a shell. You actually know, you you take you a fine grater like I do. Use the whole Use the thing. Whole the thing. whole the thing. Thing. And, um, So, you're going to mix up the eggs a uh, dozen egg yolks, a uh, quarter milk, and a quarter whole milk, and a quarter cream, and like two tablespoons of freshly grated uh, nutmeg. And you're going to beat that all up together so it's really incorporated and give it a little extra, get a little frothed, you know. And you're going to beat the whites separately, and at the end, we'll. we'll beat them just only halfway to like stiff peaks like a meringue if it gets too stiff that's not gonna work so you just get them where they're just barely like forming like brief peaks that fall down into back into themselves and now the the trick the real key what actually goes in the booze in this thing and the answer is for this old-timey uh english Weird, uh, wintry, eggy beverage. The appropriate, appropriate booze is that um, staple stars of uh, old timey English, drinking, English drinking. drinking. The, the, uh, s- the, uh, the, the, the very strange. Very
1: strange, strange keep, going, keep describing
2: it. <laughs> Spanish, Spanish, Spanish fortified wine. Sherry. Sherry. Stranger. We so won't get into, won't get the, into the whole solera system and how it's made, made <laughs> or, whatever, <laughs> or, whatever, or whatever, but whatever, whatever, it's weird, but weird stuff. stuff. It's, it's delicious. It's good. So you can go to most grocery stores. They'll have sherry in the fortified wine section or the dessert wine section. There's usually not a great selection. Um, but what you want is an amontillado sometimes that's labeled blend of amontillado um but uh you can get the most grocery stores man they were selling a brand at trader joe's for a while now they just have a cream sherry um but you want an amontillado um that's a you know uh and sherries are very different so like a fino sherry is nothing that's like a like a white wine um an amontillado is like it's oxidized, so it's brown like like a, like a a aged Something liquor. Something that entombs you, know? you right? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's good, though. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so you're going to take a bottle of that, and you're going to dump the bottle of that into your egg and milk mixture. Custard. Into your custard. <clears throat> and then a little modern twist that's gaining in popularity that the the real heads know Um, throw like five ounces of tequila into that too Um, if all you keep around the house is like is Blanco that's fine Uh, but you can use Reposado too for some more woody flavor but there's enough of that in the Amontillado sherry anyway because that's the key here the right flavors here are this woody oxidized wine and that is what actually goes well with cream and eggs and nutmeg. Um, so you blend in the the booze, and then take your. Then you're gonna beat up your. At the last minute, you're gonna beat up your um, egg whites again. Not too much. I mean, if you beated them too little, that's fine. Because the truth is, you can skip this step. If this is getting too complicated for you. You can just put the eggs in all together and just beat it up all real well, and so it starts to froth a little bit. For extra credit, you're gonna do this separately and beat them just to the barely, barely any peaks standing up when you pull the, the beaters out. Um, that just fall and, and go, go away pretty quickly before they get stiff, and then you're just gonna fold that in, mix that in, incorporate it, uh, and then you're going to put that all in your punch your chilled punch bowl and put it in the fridge till it's ready to serve. You should do this, you know, relatively soon like the last thing especially the the egg whites, beating them and folding them in. So you can prepare the rest ahead of time earlier in the day and then have your egg whites sitting in the mixing bowl in the fridge and then beat them up and put them in. You're going to garnish the whole thing with more fresh grated nutmeg. You're going to keep that nutmeg berry and your grater around when you ladle it, not, it into every glass you're then gonna garnish each glass with yet more, another, a dusting of freshly grated nutmeg which smells incredible, it's like, it's not like you can't get, you don't, you. it's not even there's no point in getting the, the, the ground stuff, cause ground spices are fine and great but they have, they're different, they're differently they have different flavors um, and the fresh stuff has this very strong, uh, volatile, like, uh, piney uh, aroma that uh, is really what is what makes it. And, uh, yeah, so you grate a little of that on top, every glass that you serve, and that is real eggnog. It's a custard with sherry and uh, fresh nutmeg. It's really good.
1: Fair enough. Um. Yeah, wow. Thanks Thanks for that.
2: But, yeah, t- just, you know, you can have a lot of these over the course of a night, just maybe not in, like, 20 minutes, just because you're, um, like, emo about
0: it. <laughs> um. Alternatively, you could just have a holiday beer by getting a Rainier and putting a cinnamon hard candy in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I forgot to berate. Yeah, I berated people on the booze, but I forgot to berate... Um, the listeners, about putting things like vanilla or cinnamon in in there. No, just shut No, it's just what
0: I said. Just fresh nutmeg. I think a little cinnamon would have rounded this up. Fucking Philistine. Um, Colin, I'd like to add that uh, if you would like a holiday (laughs) beer, you can just get a Mountain Dew and put the hard candy in
1: it. All right, I'll give that a try. That's
0: just another alternative. Thank you.
1: I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Greg. That was like either being in uh, Brett Easton Ellis' sequel (laughs) to American Psycho (laughs) meets uh, the Bon Appetit test kitchen, but I appreciate that. That was great. So we have some patrons to thank before we sink this boat. (laughs) Yay. There we go. That's what we like to hear. Stephen Pettis, thank you. Beth Topping, thank you.
2: Hey, thanks, thank guys. You both. Enjoy this eggnog recipe.
1: Enjoy it. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that uh, perhaps podcasts are literally the worst medium for cooking recipes. So <laughs> I'm not sure if that was part of the bit, so if it was, sorry for stepping on it, but I imagine we will... It's all part of the bit. We will <laughs> include a printed version, maybe, maybe with some of those same uh, tangents um, <laughs> included, so you can do some research yeah, yourself.
0: I've learned one thing about people looking at recipes on the internet: they, they really love, love when you have a big uh-huh. long story. They love <laughs> preambles. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they don't even yeah. really care
1: about cooking; they just want to yeah. hear about your experience. But uh, oh, we'll I include that. Ill. Yeah, uh, Greg has finally done himself in by his own hand. Yep. uh with eggnog and I I will I would like to close this out by saying thank you again Summer Emerald for being on the show we really appreciate it go check her work out and oh uh, yeah that yeah. was great you yeah, go fantastic. to mechanicalfreak.website
0: and check out her uh video and then read the accompanying piece
1: yep and follow her work on Instagram and Twitter and also this is technically our 100th episode so that's pretty yeah. cool. Woo! One hundred. Mm-hmm. Looks like we made it.
0: Which means uh, whatever number this is right there, if you just uh, take one hundred and subtract that number, <laughs> there's that many episodes <laughs> on Patreon. All right. So. No, Brian, the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh God, we're never going to get that patent now. All right. Well, thank you
1: for listening. Uh, here's to hundred more episodes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
0: Yeah. 200